It's time debit card users are also included in the cashback fun. Now everyone can get cashback on everyday purchases with Discover Cashback Debit. That includes no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture. From the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between, we'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. Folks, welcome to an all-new So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and this is your... Thursday episode? Yeah, it's Thursday. This is a Real Housewives of Salt Lake City recap from this week's episode. Uh, so so get ready, folks. Uh, how's everybody doing? We're, we're so close to the end of the week. Thank God. We've had a great week of shows so far. We had Sophie Ross. Uh, we had Serena Kerrigan. We had Emerald Fennell, the director of Saltburn. Oh, my God. If you didn't listen to yesterday's episode, you know... The, uh, I I love I love talking about movies. That was such a treat for me. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, but I got to tell you, I, I'm still geeking out being able to talk to somebody that I admire so much. It's different, you know. It's different a little bit when you talk about reality shows and then you switch to movies or music. They're different animals completely. I mean, they 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 fall in that same uh, pocket of entertainment, obviously, but you know, talking about housewives and kind of the joy it brings us or making fun of these silly moments. There's sometimes a really, you know, very deep foundation of a serious topic that we'll deal with on housewives, which I think is excellent, but then it's different to switch to talking about movies and just the art of it. And it it can sometimes come off a little pretentious, I'm sure, but I just love, I love people that think so deeply about trying to tell a story. Now, you could say that about Real Housewives of Salt Lake City in a sense. I mean, I always think about what are the producers, what story are they trying to tell us this season with Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? And I keep going back to, it's like Alice in Wonderland. I mean, we have gone down the rabbit hole. I mean, we, we go into Mary Cosby's house. She's sitting on like two Willy Wonka chairs. I'm not even talking about the good version of Willy Wonka with Gene Wilder. I'm talking about the Johnny Depp Willy Wonka. I mean, it's it's... It's it's bizarre. Like th- this season is just so bizarre on so many levels because I always talk about the mean streets of Salt Lake City. You know, it seems like on the mean streets, they always talk about what's going down on the mean streets. There's rumors being spread around about the rumors about the husbands on the mean streets of Salt Lake City. But then you see Salt Lake City and it seems really quaint. There's like this Twin Peaks element to it. That's why I always like it's almost David Lynchian in a sense because you see how peaceful and blissful it looks. And the majority of the people seem very, not cookie cutter, but they seem, um, gosh, I don't want to, not run of the mill, but it just seems kind of like, yeah, these are people living their lives. But then you are introduced to the real housewives of Salt Lake City. And each one of these ladies are bursting out the seams with their own uh, very unique and distinct style and personality that kind of is like, Oh my God, I don't even think Salt Lake City can hold these women. It is, you know, it's like we see Angie K's dog and uh, she's literally dyed the, the, the poor poodle's hair purple. And she's in an all white house with this dyed dog playing with. And I was just like, this is 
wearing like windshield wiper uh, glasses on her face. And you're just like, I, I've fallen down the rabbit hole. It is so unique and fun to watch. And even on repeat viewings, which I watch these episodes like two or three times, uh, usually at the least. But it's very distinctive because then you go to Beverly Hills or you go to Real Housewives of Miami and they all have something really special and unique about them. But I want to kind of applaud this season of Salt Lake City, but I would be so interested to talk to the producers behind this of when did you what were you going for and when did you realize that you weren't possibly going to get what you were going for? So abandon ship and let's just like throw caution to the wind and see what comes. I will say with this episode in particular, and I don't know if you got this vibe and I hesitate to say this because I hate even speculating, but I will say, you know, I, I am actually one of the people that really like Monica and I think she is a really bright star in the future of Salt Lake city. But I do have to say after this week's episode, especially the car scene with her and uh, her mom, there were just elements of that that were too, not fantastical, but that I thought, I thought, Oh, this is reading a little phony to me. This is reading a little staged, a little pre-planned because, you know, we just know basic things now, viewers of these shows, is that you've got to be mic'd up to have clean sound. And if they didn't know Monica's mom was coming over, the mom was fully mic'd. You know, the mom was fully mic'd in that driveway. And I, I, I do believe that they obviously have real mother-daughter issues. But a part of me is like, it feels a little... And I only felt it this week in this episode, and I know a lot of you guys might have felt it even earlier, but I felt like, are we, you know, is, 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 uh, what is the situation here? Is the mom going along with it? And you would think not because the mom goes off on Twitter and just comes off even worse than she does on screen. But there were just elements of it of like, okay, we get it, but you are mic'd up. You are choosing to be a part of this. And I'm just curious of, what was the plan? I mean, you know, you knew you had these issues with your mom. The mom knows what this show is to a degree. The mom seems she really loves the camera. So was there ever any kind of agreement of we'll amp it up for cameras? I mean, was there ever any of that to actually make a solid first season for Monica? Um, it's just something that keeps popping in my mind once I watch this episode. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, maybe, I don't know if I'm alone in this. It was just something that kept popping in my mind. Now, even if I found out this were to be amped up for cameras, it still doesn't take away from my actual basic enjoyment of Monica as a character. And I think the deeper we go, because I know it gets a lot deeper the rest of the season, because we find out other things about Monica, um, I do have to remember she did study under the tutelage of Jen Shaw in a sense. And Jen Shaw is somebody that I think threw everything at the wall to see what sticks in that first season. So much so that I found it kind of grating in a sense because I was like, yeah, it's fun. It's crazy, but it never really seemed to be attached to anything. There never seemed to be real motivation or foundation to any of Jen Shaw's behavior. So it came off like, oh God, you're just trying to, you're trying to be an iconic housewife. And that, I think, is one of the funny things about having now, what, 17, 18 years of housewives under our belts is now now people have grown up watching the housewives. They study them. It's, I always compare it to auditioning for Saturday Night Live. You know what's worked in the past. And I always felt Jen Shaw studied all of these iconic moments from the table flip to uh, Aviva throwing a fake leg to all of these things and just threw everything. I'm going to do all of it at once. I'm going to do all of it at once. Now, Monica seems to have like 
not the antithesis of that at all, because she really is, I think, very interesting. But what I think is interesting about Monica is that, you know, it's not one of those people you feel bad for because when she does get into an argument like with Lisa Barlow last week or even booing Lisa Barlow during her amazing rendition of Away in the Manger tonight, um, <laughs> you know, she knows how to I mean, she knows how to speak up for herself. She knows how to get into an argument. She knows how to shut an argument down. And I think those are kind of very Jen Shaw style tactics in a sense, but she's very good at it. So I think that's interesting that it's like, I don't really feel bad for Monica because Monica does know how to handle herself. I can have empathy for Monica in that relationship with her mom, but everything else. And I always, I, I, I've, I've seen some of Monica's TikToks now. And she does a really good like TikTok dances. And you always got to worry when a housewife knows their way around TikTok a little too much, you know, or when they're doing like the lip sync TikToks with like, what about that? About? But, 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 but. You, I, I can't even do an example. That's a horror. But when they do that kind of shit, you know that they have a visual representation of what they think style is, what they think attitude is. And Monica knows her way around that stuff. So, I do think there is way more to Monica, and I think we will uncover that maybe in the rest of this season and maybe next season, but there is a lot going on there, and I'm really interested to uncover it and see what the real real is there, you know? Does that make sense? Did I already just start off completely losing you guys? I don't know. It was just something in my head. Uh, remember, if you like this show, and why wouldn't you? It's a grown man losing his mind. Uh, remember to rate it to have five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And I also want to say at the top of this, and also any kind of recaps I do, um, because uh, listen, I do voices, okay? The voices I do, I, I, I try to make myself laugh. Uh, it might not be your thing, right? I got this a lot like Vanderpump Rules last season. I always get this. Beverly Hills, the last couple of seasons, I get it. We're going to deal the same thing tomorrow with Beverly Hills on that recap. They might not be your thing. It might annoy you. It might think... Um, I, I want to also assure you that I don't think this is <laughs> a dead on impersonation. I, I want to assure you that's a, that what worries you when you see a comment like somebody I wrote. I don't really see the YouTube comments a lot, but I saw somebody on YouTube was like, it doesn't sound anything like them. And I, I just wrote, I was like, are you kidding me? It sounds exactly like them because I just like, come on, live in a world where I know that this isn't, this isn't like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, please, please allow me, please allow me the, the courtesy to know that I know that this is not how they sound. I know that, I know that, but also I just want to speak to a greater point, And I always try to remind the audience of this is if you don't like this, or if you don't like anything, don't listen to it. Don't put yourself through that. I mean, I can understand. I have things that annoy me too. And I usually don't keep watching or listening or anything like that. I, I completely understand that. And I'm, you know, I really do say that with, as Ringo Starr says, peace and love, peace and love, um, because I'm trying to have a good time and whoever wants to have a good time with me, let's do that. But if not, I mean, there's so many great podcasters out there. There's so many great recaps out there. You can throw a stone at this point and find somebody that is great. We are all so good at this. And I think that is so cool that we live in an age where there are so many people doing things like this, because you can find that, that, that perfect cozy blanket to snuggle up to and, and 
have a great time with and then come be back with us for the pop culture roundup or the interviews or something like that. But this, I really enjoy going through this. It's a lot of work, by the way, to go through these line for line by line. And I want to thank Laura Beth Harp, who took the notes on tonight's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. She really does a kick-ass job and she's got a whole family, whole life going on. And so thank you so much, Laura Beth Harp. I couldn't do this without you, but it is fun to go through these line by line and it really amps up just how ridiculous some of these scenes are because you'll watch it. And we're so used to watching these shows, these Bravo shows or just reality shows in general. And we're so desensitized that sometimes we don't realize how ridiculous it is what we're seeing. Like I just finished watching Selling Sunset, the reunion for the new season. It came out today. And uh, I watched the whole se- <laughs> this whole season of Selling Sunset over the weekend. And it's one of those things that it's like, it's good. I enjoy it. It's ridiculous. They all dress up like they're members of the Avengers. It's all like slow-mo shots walking out of like just buildings. And then kind of light drama. But it's completely ridiculous because I don't know anybody. I'm not saying these aren't real people. They're real unto themselves. But I don't have anybody in my life like that. I don't have anybody in my life that I hang out with that they walk out of a building and it's like, girl boss, girl boss. We be girl bossing. And it's like slow-mo and there's like wind going through their hair. I would literally be like, what the fuck is going on right now? But it is fun to watch. But it also, there's sometimes, and I don't mean to sound this in a cruel way, Uh, I always speak to the disposable nature sometimes of pop culture lately is that things come and go, you know, if we don't actually stop and kind of study it. And I know that sounds silly, but if we don't stop and study it, if we don't go through these things, sometimes line by line, it can just pass you by as like another episode. And there are a lot of those episodes that just like, "Eh, it's fine. It's fine. But then sometimes you'll get an episode like this season of Salt Lake City with Meredith Marks of like, you want to talk about you? You want to talk about we can talk about you can leave forever. I mean, that was truly a magical episode. And I'm not saying that Salt Lake has not been good since then because I think it has continuously been good. I look forward to this show every week. But I was just thinking about in terms of Selling Sunset that I was like, if you asked me a plot point about the new season of Selling Sunset a week and a half from now, I would be like, wait, what? I don't, did I watch that? Like what's going on? And even the reunion, it was fun. By the way, the reunion, they did this kind of genius thing, which I think a tip of the hat to Bravo in a sense. And by the way, in some senses, I always think when uh, Netflix does these reunions, which I really love a reunion, but that really is, I think an homage to Bravo and Andy Cohen and what they do with their reunions. I don't think reunions, I think Bravo really put a real reunion on the map. And I think other people now emulate that formula, but sometimes it's hard because Andy Cohen is so, um, you know, he is the Barnum and Bailey's of Bravo, but it's sometimes hard with the hosts on Netflix, like because Tan France hosted the uh, Selling Sunset reunion. And I like Tan a lot, but it's just like, Okay, are you part of this show in some you know like well, okay, what's your connection to this show? I mean, I know you're a pseudo you're a celebrity, so that's why you're hosting. I sometimes feel like they lose it on that point, but they did this thing you guys where they brought out a a guy doing lie detector tests to hook up the cast to, and I thought what a great fun idea. And of course they like edited it out, like them putting the machine on each person, but it was the same person that, uh, re- that put Lisa Vanderpump on a lie detector test in that episode of Beverly Hills about the, uh, the radar, the remember the, the radar online, I think it was the radar online, Lucy, Lucy, apple juice. She was hooked up to a lie detector and provided the results. Uh, it was the same guy. And I was like, this guy is just making money hand over fist over reality stars. 
I mean, I probably the the science is there to probably determine that most people that lie in this world are reality stars. And also, where was this guy in the Vanderpump reunion? Fucking hook Tom and Rachel up to this thing. Are you kidding me? That's what we need. Please. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I just want to let everybody know if it's not your thing, don't listen to it. It's that simple. You don't need to get upset about it. You don't need to. Uh, there, you don't need to do anything. You just go find something that you like I, uh, or start your own thing because that's also a cool thing. It means you have a really, uh, really clear thought of how you want things. And if you have that really clear thought, go do it yourself. I think that's probably one of the most positive things you can get from knowing that you don't like something. You know, like if you don't like something, if you don't like voices, it sounds like you know exactly what you like and then go do that. Elevating my style used to mean breaking the bank, but with Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at prices I can actually afford. Now I can upgrade my style by snagging killer luxury essentials that sync with my vibe and my wallet. You guys know I've got a blue linen blazer. Now I have a black leather jacket and I have my eye on this Italian suede trucker jacket. I think that's going to be my next purchase. So Quince creates timeless essentials that never go out of style. You're going to have them in your closet forever. Quince has all the must-haves, like Mongolian cashmere crew neck sweaters from $50, iconic 100% leather jackets, and versatile flow-knit activewear. With all Quince items, everything is priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. How do you not love that? So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping and 365 day returns on your order. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. If you're a wine lover like me, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, I get to discover new wines I'm guaranteed to enjoy. That's because First Leaf gets to know your unique preferences. To start, all you have to do is answer a few quick questions on their website about what flavors that I like, how often I drink wine, and if I prefer red, white, or rosé, or a combination. Now, based on my answers, First Leaf curated an amazing selection of wines just for me. And when I rate those wines, my wine selection gets even more tailored. You guys, I have to tell you, I got a free shipment with them, but I kept my membership going because I liked it so much. I swear to God, I got this great Sangiovese. I got a Malbec. Uh, I did get a Rosé as well because I have a combination and I am loving it. Best of all, I get to choose when I want my box delivered and how often I get new assortments of wine. Being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has its perks. As a member, I get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. Plus, I get member-exclusive pricing on every order, so you can continue to order the ones that you love. So, join the club today with me and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash so good to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash so good. Tryfirstleaf.com slash so good. I do want to say, though, in terms of reviews, this was funny. I wasn't going to I wasn't going to bring this up. And then I was like, oh, this is kind of funny. My sister, my sister texted and my sister texted me today. And I have a niece and nephew. They're young, youngish. They're growing old. I'm very proud of them. 
and they know their uncle is crazy. They also know their uncle hosts this show and they know that the show has gotten like a little bigger here and there. They've seen it grow over these last four years and, you know, all super proud of me, of course. Um, but, um, this was great. I got this, this is what, this is a text I got today. And just so you know, I finished the show last night at like 3 AM and I woke up today and I felt like such shit. I was like, Oh my God, I got COVID. I've done two COVID tests. I'm good. I'm clean. But I, I'm feel I feel like death warmed over. If you're looking at this on YouTube, you can see how bad I look. I look, I just feel like absolute dog poo, but listen, you still got to work. I've been actually, I, I've been sleeping and laying in bed since 3 a.m. last night. And I slept a lot of it, but man, I just got, I just felt like shit. I feel like horrible, horrible poop. Um, but I got this text and it, <laughs> Kara, my sister goes, Hey, so the kids and I might have taken a deep dive on reviews of um, the podcast. Obviously, majority are amazing, but of course, we are sick and wanted to read the bad ones. Now we are all raging mad and would like to go beat up some really, I'm not getting, I think some of the people are fake accounts of the reality people Ryan disses. And I, I woke up to this text message and I was like, Hey, please, you know, please don't tell me about the bad reviews. Like I have somebody that will like send me positive reviews or if it's a review where it gives me like a note in terms of like, okay, the mic, your mic cord is making these crackly sounds, or you might want to think about this or that. If it's like this, like constructive criticism that I can actually use. But if I don't like your favorite person, if I don't like Bethany Frankel and her reality reckoning, that doesn't, that's not a review to me that I don't like the thing that you don't like. I mean, I hope the majority of you can understand the difference there. Like if I don't like Lisa Rinna, that's my, my choice, you know, is I would maybe go listen to a pro Lisa Renna podcast, but I was, I was like, please don't tell me about these. It doesn't help me. It doesn't, you know, like, but I just thought it was funny. And I was just telling you guys, that means my sister and my niece and nephew are going to come kick your ass. <laughs> They're actively now trying to find out who these accounts are. And, uh, You've just got to you you just got to watch your back at this point. They're coming for you. Also, if anybody does want to leave a good review, it also does help to combat anybody that uh, really just dislikes me. So I wanted to put that because it was one of those things that bums me out. Sure, but it also made me laugh because I just imagine my niece and nephew sitting there reading reviews of and reading the negative ones and being like, like that. There is something priceless in that for me, and there's very something very cute. And I like that they, <laughs> I just, I don't know. You, I, I, you, have you guys ever experienced anything like that where your niece and nephew or your family kind of, you know, sees what you're doing or what you're talking about or something and then sees how other people react to it? It is a wild experience. So, and thank you. Now I have something to talk about them uh, with them at Thanksgiving. That's going to be a great experience for me. So, two thumbs up, five stars, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, Speaking of uh, reality shows, that's a great segue, Ryan. Uh, Vanderpump Rules. I was seeing some somebody post. I wanted two things before we get into Salt Lake. Whew, man, I am already like, so I can tell I don't feel good. I'm already like, my body's like just encased in this like thin layer of sweat. And it's usually that way anyways in normal life. But I, you can just feel, you know, when you're just on that like, ugh, I just feel gross. I feel gross. But sometimes that makes for a more unhinged podcast. So this, I'm not going to, I mean, let's just. I'm not going to put this out there, but this could be a great unhinged podcast. We, we'll see. It's going to be very exciting to see which way this goes. Um, <laughs> so here we go. 
there was a comment about uh, that Ariana Maddox got involved in. Let me try to find this because I thought it was interesting, her response to this. And it's in something that I've been saying now for a while. I've been saying this since I think the reunion of Vanderpump Rules. Um, okay, so basically it was this post and somebody said, this is from an account by Wig Hello Drama, I think is where I saw this. And I, I highly recommend you follow this account. I really enjoy this account. Uh, this person said, mark my words, everyone's going to hate Ariana this season and develop a soft spot for Tom. And then Ariana actually commented on this post and said, certainly wouldn't be surprised if the audience swings that way. And I've been saying that from the beginning is that I, I think, and I think already in some ways there's been like this small backlash. And I think we do this not just with Ariana, but I think we do this with a lot of women is also remember we talked about earlier about what the story production wants to tell. And I don't mean production protects people, but I do think production sometimes rewards people for really sharing or being willing to still be fully on camera 24-7, which I think is something that uh, Tom Thandable, dude, I think that's something that he really was willing to do this season. But also, I think that is also, you know, you got to look at all these different layers of the onion is that he's helping his own narrative. He's helping uh, you know, he's in a sense being able to do image rehab that he wouldn't be able to do without a season of a show. Now, I would imagine what you're going to see from Ariana is a lot of anger, a lot of not wanting to shoot with Tom and a lot of things. And I think women will then get labeled just bitch. That's a bitch. That, that person's a bitch. What a bitch. People will get labeled that. Women will get labeled that. Oh, that just person's a bitch. When you don't, then you forget all of the reasons that led up to the reason of that person reacting that way. And I feel like we now have multiple reasons, but I will say in life and in pop culture, I find this so amazing is that we have tiny memories. We forget, we forget all you have to do for image rehab in terms of celebrity is just usually wait it out. The one thing is I think Tom Sandoval would have been so much better off. Like I think his image will be rehabbed by the end of this next season. I don't necessarily agree with his image being rehabbed, but it will be. I think it actually would have happened even faster if he had kept his mouth shut. But this man will go on any kind of platform and kind of do his little sob story where you almost forget what the actual behavior that he did was. And you got to go back and actually think about some of those memories of what he did, the lies that he said, how deeply the lies went. I was watching Winter House last night and, you know, they're up there skiing in Steamboat Springs. And I was reminded of that little trip with uh, with Schwartz and Joe and Sandoval and the artist formerly known as Raquel, where a fan saw them in a bar and Tom like sheepishly took the photo because he knew he was kind of busted by being on like almost like a couple's date. And he had lied to Ariana and said it was like, you know, guys night, dude, it's guys night. He said it was uh, just like a boy's weekend. But he was actually up there. Rachel came up. Joe came up. And it was like this weird little double date situation. And I just think, you know, is that this was all those lies and stuff like that were planned out in his head to lie about one person. Now, obviously, they weren't meant to be together. Obviously, this is a good thing. But I thought that comment was so interesting. And I want us to or what I'm going to try to do is I can't wait to watch this season, which premieres January 15th. I can't believe we're already back there again, which by the way, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's. It seems like we're already there. Like, like, like I guess the year's over. That feeling once you get into like the second week in November and you're like, fuck, 
I guess I'm not going to learn a language this year. Like I promise, I guess I'm not going to drop that 30 pounds that I said I was going to drop. You're like calculating like what improvements can I make before the end of 2023? So the year is already done for all intents and purposes. So January 15th, this show starts up. And what I think we got to do is we got to watch it. We got to watch it with a clear eye in terms of the story production wants to tell, but also the story that these characters are trying to put out there. You know, is that Tom is going to try to really pull at the heartstrings, really pull at the heartstrings, really try to explain himself. And I think it'll be interesting to see, OK, after this amount of time, what did he come up with? But what's interesting now, and this is why pop culture is so fast now and how it moves, is that we already have a lot of his comments from BravoCon. We have his comments from his podcast, which all started after filming of this season. So we already have him on record saying all of these things. So I just think he's got to keep his story straight in terms of the reasoning why this and that and this and that. But I'm really curious to see this. And I guess I'll be a little disappointed, but I'm not going to be surprised if that is how it happens with Ariana. But I just think we have to, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm really interested to see that this season. I think it's going to be a weird one and not like a weird like Salt Lake City one. It's going to be weird. Also, I thought this was great news in terms of showing that we are showing up to watch these shows. And and uh, I think that is truly amazing. This is great. This is uh, according to Deadline Hollywood, which is a great entertainment uh, site. These are seven-day ratings for Bravo. Now, Real Housewives of Miami launched to 1.4 million viewers over a seven-day period. That's up 124% in viewers. And by God, this show deserves it. I just watched the third episode tonight. I wish... In fact, I think I'm going to talk a little bit about this on Monday's Pop Culture Roundup because I think I got a Bravo guest coming on. And I, I just really, I really enjoy Real Housewives of Miami. I think it's a very special show. I think it's a very special season so far from the Gertie, but also the ridiculousness with Larza. Um, I think there's so many elements there. And it just, the way they shoot it, it's so bright and vibrant. And I just, it makes you feel alive. So congrats on that. And this is really exciting. Married to Medicine. Their premiere over seven days of viewers received 1.6 million. This is their biggest number since 2019. So that's great because this is the little show, the little show that could, because I don't even watch this show and I need to watch this show. In fact, I've got to watch the first two episodes, but it's one of those things that's daunting. I don't know if it's like that for you too, because they have like 10 seasons and I'm like, oh my God, I told uh, Kea and Aaron from Bravo, uh, we're black that I was going to watch it this year. And now we're at the end of 2023 and I've only watched a handful of episodes. Sorry guys, 2024 it is. And then Real Housewives of Potomac premiere scored 2.1 million viewers. It is the most watched in eight years for that show. It is up 15% from season seven's number. So that is great. That is great news. And I think sometimes we see those and I know a lot of you guys are like, I don't even pay attention to ratings. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but I do. And it's one of those things that I was used to seeing night of ratings, like the night of, and I'd be like, oh damn, that is low numbers. But now I love that we do take into account like seven day, we take into account streaming. So it's good because I want this network to stay winning, to stay successful. I mean, I guess I would say I want it to maybe be a little less successful because it is a full-time effing job keeping up with this. There is now two Bravo shows a night that I have to keep up with on top of My Love After Lockup, My 90 Day Fiance, My Golden Bachelor. Oh my God, tonight, guys, Golden Bachelor, Gary picks his true love. If you're not watching The Golden Bachelor, oh my God, you got to get into it. I love this man with all my heart. Um, but there are so many other shows and it seems like Bravo keeps putting shows out there and I kind of like all the shows that they're putting out. So I'm like, damn, 
what the F, what am I doing? I, I please throw in a clunker or two just so I can skip those shows. I mean, I'm watching below deck med on Mondays. I'm watching uh Potomac on Sundays, Salt Lake city, Beverly Hills. It, watch what happens live. It's just all too much. And I say that kind of half joking because it's great to have good television. Ooh, that episode of real housewives of Beverly Hills tonight. I can't wait to talk about that on Friday. Um, Sorry, guys. I just sniffed. Don't give me a bad review for that. I'm stuffed up and I I don't. Okay. Sorry. Anyways. Um, <laughs> but Sutton, that scene with Sutton and Kyle at the end of like, tell me, what, what was it? T- uh, tell him. T- what was the, she, Kyle was like, Sutton, you do, you do this all the time. You, you always freak out and you say things and, and, and it's it just, you do it all the, oh yeah. And, and Sutton's like, name them. Name the time, name them. And she just said, name them like 50 times in a row. Name them, I'll say, I'll say, name them, name them. <laughs> and guys, just so you know, I think that's exactly how Sutton's track sounds. That is, that is, I mean, you could put my voice up with Sutton's actual voice and it would be no lies detected. That is truly her voice. Um, okay, let's get into this. We're only, okay, we're only 30 minutes in the show. This is perfect. Yeah. Oh, I just like to lean back and take all the time in the world that I can with these things. Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Season 4, Episode 10. Now, the title of this episode is called Mormons Get a Bad Rap. And immediately when I saw that title, I knew deep within inside me that we would see a housewife rapping tonight. And I made a face of like, oh, God, like that Chrissy Teigen face that's used in the meme at the award show of like, oh, I knew we would get a housewife rapping. And usually every night I'll I'll pray to whatever God you believe in. And I'll be just like, please, God, don't ever let a housewife rap. And then I was like, oh, I must have forgot my prayers last night because in this episode, it seems like a housewife's going to rap. And of course, that is true. This is the. Description the cable company gives us, Lisa feels betrayed by Angie and embraced by Heather. Now, whoever's writing this one, this is this is art. Lisa feels betrayed by Angie and embraced by Heather. What a great opening sentence for the description. Uh, Monica and her mom agree to move forward. Meredith opens up about her marriage on her podcast with Seth. That's always the place to do deep interpersonal relationship work is on a podcast. And Heather hosts a reading of her book and searches for a community. And I was like, wait a sec. Does Heather have a book? When's her book out? Has she had a book yet? What? What? I don't. I can't believe it. Next thing you're going to say, Angie's Greek. What? Previously on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And we have an assemblage of all the uh, all these episodes thus far. A little assemblage of clips. We see Heather telling Lisa that she's like, huh, you're the least Mormon person on the planet, Lisa. And Lisa's like, ha ha ha, I'm 100% Mormon. I am Mormon to the day is long. I said this this whole season, Heather is always going to lose when she tries to battle on who's the right type of religious. Like that's always going to be a losing battle. You just, it, and it's silly in its sense because it sets up like this class system with religion, which a lot of religion is based around and religion shouldn't be based around that. It should be based around some tenets about treating people right and a belief in a higher power. And it shouldn't be a contest. It shouldn't be like, you won the golden heaven. Like you get to ascend to heaven better than Lisa Barlow. We also see a clip of Monica telling the ladies about her mom taking her car away as punishment. I did. Did you? Did your parents ever take your car away as punishment when you were in high school? Mine did. 
Mine did. It was, uh, I had a, yeah, bad. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS weird Lord of the Flies style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Unsurprisingly, it all led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. And then we see Monica and Angie Kay making up. But then quickly, we have flashed to Monica and Lisa going at it at Whitney's Prism event. Remember that? Of like, oh my God, you're old. You need sound bowls. I'm not old, Monica. In fact, Angie K is older than me. And Angie K is like, what are you, what am I even doing here? I'm just trying to like be in scenes. I just want to be on the show. Why do you have to keep bringing me into this? Please. Can we talk about my husband again? I don't want to be in the middle of this. Please. I want people to like me. Oh my gosh. What do you think? I, I was thinking like Angie K was really working herself in a real, I was like, oh, she's doing really good. Sometimes I think Angie K has a good episode and I'm like kind of willing to be like, okay, I think maybe she belongs here. And then sometimes I kind of like, I don't know, like I'm, I'm up and down on the Angie K train sometimes I'm up and down on that. Um, so we, uh, we start the episode as we always do. We have the beautiful choir of angels in a synth machine that they make different music to. We have Heather walking into an event space where she's planning a reading for her book, her book entitled Bad Borman, which you can find on Amazon. She meets with the event planners and says, she, I, I want it to feel intimate. I want it to feel like a book club. And basically what she's saying is that I, I want to promote my book more on the show. I want to, I want to, is there a way we can have some signage for my book? I want to, yeah. by the way, do you think ever Heather's asked me like, can we have a, can we have a link to the book? Can we have a QR code on the screen when the book event happens? By the way, that, you know, is going to come in the next few years when housewives push products on these shows, they're going to just have a QR code. How mad do you think Lisa Rinna is that she actually didn't get a get back on Beverly Hills this season? Because Rena Wine is out there now and she would have been pushing that. She'd be like, Shudden, Shudden, stop drinking vodka with grapefruit juice. Put Rena Wine in your purse. <laughs> Harry, Harry cooks his bolognese with my Rena Cabernet. He says it's just better in the sauce than to drink it straight. <laughs> uh, anyways. She wants this event to be really nice. She wants to talk about the book, the experience writing the book. I do have to say, I keep saying Groundhog's Day lately, but it's one of those Groundhog Day scenes where I'm like, I I get it. 
you wrote a book like it's and I like the book, um, you know, but once, you know, but like, OK, more book like, OK, more book. We're going to do OK, more book. Like what else is going on besides the book? How's the love life? Like, I want to know what's going on in the dating. You, her, Heather's big story is that she's being shunned by everybody in Utah because of being a bad Mormon, even though she seems like she's at every public place, seems like she's talking to a lot of people at all times. So it's one of those things of like, how shunned really are you? And if this is shunning. I'd like to be as shunned as you are shunned because it seems like you have a really decent life right now from what we see on the show. Uh, we now we go to Angie K's house and it is one of the most ridiculous setups. This is where I see her all white house. And she's like, come here, dog. And the dog is like this poodle with like these, she's dyed the poodle, like the little part of the ear pink. Uh, it looks like a little punk rock dog. And it is so you, I just, the set design, like a set designer couldn't even, couldn't even, dream of setting up a scene like this i'm like this is this is the start of a movie like this is like this is more of the ngk i want it's like what the fuck led us to this point like where did we get like at what point did you like start going i need an all white house and i need to start dying my my dog's ears pink like where what year did that come in because you see those earlier pictures of angie k with her family completely normal completely everything when did it change i want to know the year it changed like when did it change when did it like when did the glasses start creeping in like did they start off as little tiny sunglasses and now eventually they're just covering your entire face when did that happen can we even interview the dog potentially next scene we see lisa driving up to whitney's house oh my gosh and whitney is inside. I'm setting up some snacks. I'm setting up a charcuterie. This is the 30th charcuterie uh, that we've set up this season on Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City, I think, hands down, has the most charcuterie of any housewives. I mean, thus far, it's always a charcuterie board being set up. Like, without a doubt, always a charcuterie board. So Lisa struggles to open the gate, like, oh, to get in, and then rings the doorbell. Like, I guess I'll ring the doorbell. And Whitney's like, um, Hey, and she's like, hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm just, are you tired? No, I'm sorry. I'm in my pajamas. Justin's away on a business trip. Oh, I would wear that out. Which, by the way, Lisa, we should have cut to a scene immediately with Lisa wearing that out. I told you I'd wear that out. Tin roof rusted. Whitney's like, but I'm just like living it up, Lisa. I'm like my first night off from having an event, people in town. So I'm like making a charcuterie board and pouring wine. I'm letting the kids watch a movie and I'm just going to chill. And Lisa's phone starts ringing. Lisa's like, oh my gosh, Heather's calling me right now. Heather. And Heather's like, what's up, Lisa Barlow? I'm at Whitney's. Say hi to Whitney. Hi, Heather. Oh, hey, Whitney. I'm with my bestie. <laughs> Lisa laughs maniacally. And Heather's like, you two little peas in the pod. I'm so jealous. Lisa, I have an idea. It's a little bit of a shtick. I don't know if you'll be into it, but I thought you could introduce me at the book tour event. We could come up with something fun where like you'll have the mic, you'll be on stage, you can sing. Okay, I can do that. And Heather's like, sing like Away in a Manger or I'm in, Heather. I love it. Okay, well, thanks. All right. Bye, Heather. Okay, bye. That's the end of that phone call. Lisa hangs up and Lisa's like, deep down, she loves me. And Whitney's like, now I think we have to read the book. I love, I love, and I hope this never changes. I hope these housewives never read Heather Gay's book. I think it is one of the funnier reoccurring bits on this show is that she writes a book and they've all just kind of read the little part about them. <laughs> so Heather, every time she's like, hey, did you read that book? And they're like, it's, I'm so proud of you. I'm just so, so proud of you. I'm, 
it's really, I'm reading the Bible right now. And once I get through that, um, you know, I'm going to definitely read it. I got a little Atlas Shrugged, uh, a little Ayn Rand's collection. But then after that, I'm definitely getting to your book. Um, Whitney's like, we've got to read at least the parts about us. Can I sit by you? Yeah, sit by me. I'm like inhaling food. Are you going to eat? Yeah, I am. I'm going to grab a napkin real quick. I went for the paper towels. Oh, look, I even have prism leftovers. And she gets out some napkins from the event. And Lisa's like, oh my gosh, I love those. But also Whitney being very deft and going, remember the prism event where you you got into a fight at? Um, And Whitney's like, you probably didn't even get to see these. The subtext being like, you probably didn't even get to wipe your mouth because you were arguing with it the entire time. And Lisa's like, no, I didn't get to see much. It was all a blur. I remember the beginning and kind of the end. And that was it. That's kind of like my prom. Whitney's like, so what the fuck happened? Um, I don't know. It was so weird. The whole thing was so weird. I'm like mortified that the two of you behaved that way at my prism event. I swear to God, if you fucking say prism one more time, <laughs> she goes, because Lisa, I didn't start it. I did not start it, Whitney. I don't care who started it. Okay. Like you should have both have enough self-awareness and self-control to realize that you're screaming and yelling at my business prism event. What did you, what did you hear me scream? Oh, I could hear you screaming. What did I scream? I heard you scream. Stop it. And then we get a flashback to that event when Lisa yells, please stop talking to me, Monica. And when he's like, stop it, stop it. Lisa's like, I said, please stop talking to me. She would not stop. I don't even know where she was during a sound bath. Like, Lisa, okay. So it's my fault. That's Monica's ridiculous. Okay. Um, No, it's both of your faults. I was equally upset with both of you, probably a little more upset with you because I know that you know my brand, you know my heart, you know my journey. Lisa in a confession was like, are you kidding me? You are all people should not be talking to me about event etiquette. Did you forget about Coach Shaw's birthday party? We get a flashback to that first season when Whitney caused a scene at Jen Shaw at Coach Shaw's birthday party. Remember that where Coach Shaw, he was like, oh, I was hoping that we were going to Popeye. I hope that we were going to Popeye's chicken. Like, remember, he was like really excited. And then he realized it was just all his friends at a big event there. Lisa shouldn't have spent their money at. And he was disappointed. But Whitney got into a fu- man. That first season really did have some really uh, that's there. I, I should rewatch that at some point. Oh, who am I kidding? That's probably not going to happen. But there was so, so many great moments in that. Anyways, Lisa in the confessional continues. And you're like chastising me. Maybe I should be mad at her for having a cash bar and no food. In the scene, Lisa's like, you deserve an apology, Whitney. That's like, I am so sorry that that happened at your event with the sound bowls. All right. It was embarrassing. I'm so sorry. I'm responsible for staying. And I'm confused by Angie's behavior too, because I don't feel like she likes Monica. I don't think Monica likes her. I don't know what their side conversations are. I don't. Are you upset with Angie over that? I'm not upset with her. I'm hurt by her. Because when we left, I'm piecing it together. When you left, you were upset because Ange and Monica were hugging. We get a flashback to Lisa being upset that Angie K hugged Monica, leaving the Prism event. And Lisa's like, well, it contradicts what Ange said. The ocular doesn't match the words. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the ocular. 
I love Lisa Barlow. I'm 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 so in love with Lisa Barlow, and I know she's a problematic fave, but I love the ocular. The ocular isn't matching. The ocular doesn't. The ocular doesn't match the words, Whitney. And when he's like, I do think that there is this weird sense that Angie had to please you. I do see it. I think maybe Angie does placate your emotions. No, she doesn't want to upset you because she loves you and adores you. No, that's not the case. That's not the case. No, you don't think so? Has she ever stood up to you? And Lisa just stares blankly. And when he's like, I think you're triggered as shit over Angie and Monica. I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel. So nobody has to guess. I have no problem with Monica other than she upset my friend. That is it. End of story. I know. So I'm not triggered by their friendship. I'm triggered by the fact that I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, Ange? Whitney in a confessional goes, it can be very difficult to talk to Lisa because Lisa can only see things from her perspective. And if you don't agree with that perspective, she takes it as you are against her. So I understand why Angie is very hesitant to tell Lisa about how she feels because Lisa is going to take it as a personal attack. I don't care if they're fucking friends, Whitney. That's the bottom line. Just don't lie about it. Ocular. Whitney's like, but it seems like you care. No, but don't lie about it, Whitney. If you're calling me and saying, fuck Monica, fuck her, fuck her. Three fucks in a row, folks. And on Peacock, you can actually see those, hear those fucks. We see Whitney's son, Brooks, peeking around the corner like, mom, mom, come quick. There's a Mary Cosby under my bed. No, the son obviously is up there enjoying a movie with the dad's way, a little kid. And he all, all he, he's here, he hears say swear words. And when he's like, um, yeah, I swear in front of my kids, but I really like, I, I don't talk like that in my house, Lisa. Okay. Sorry, Brooks. Sorry, she was sorry, Brooks. If you can hear me, and Whitney's like, he's right here, Lisa. And then he says to Brooks, "Please go upstairs and shut the door. You didn't do anything wrong. It's like a horror film. Please call the cops, Brooks. Please, Brooks. Scared. I mean, could imagine. Like he are this kid has to deal with camera crews. That's like really weird for a kid already. And then this Lisa Barlow lady who sings away in a manger in a weird style, you know, comes in and starts cursing up a storm when dad's away. And, you know, he thinks he, you know, cause you know, Justin, when he left for business was like, Hey Brooks, you're the man of the house. Now you've got to protect this house. Just like Macaulay Culkin and home alone. And Brooks is like, okay, dad, you got it. And then he's hearing, Fuck this. Fuck Monica. Fuck Ange. Fuck everybody. Fuck, fuck, fuck. And Brooks is like, comes down like, it's okay, Brooks. I need you to get the phone and call dad. Please call dad now. Please, Brooks, please. And, you know, we don't see Bobby, the daughter, around because she's tooling around in that big G-Wagon golf cart she got for her birthday last week. You know, just hopped up on Dr. Pepper. That's what we need. We need Bobby to go like, hey, it's me, Bobby. I'm hopped up on Diet Dr. Pepper. I just got a call from Brooks saying there's some disturbance in this house. Hey, Barlow, look at me. My name's Bobby. I'm 13 and I got a golf cart that can run you over, lady. We don't use curse words in this domain, in this domicile. Yeah! Bobby, please stop with the caffeine and sugar. It's getting to you. You stop! I'm tired of hearing about your prism. <laughs> okay, I really am sick. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing about your damn prism event. 
Give me your charcuterie. Bobby, please. I'm having this with Lisa. I need that salami now. <laughs> Brooks. Brooks, call your dad. <laughs> anyway, so Brooks is scared shitless. And when he's like, I think they're getting upset because they think that you and I are like mad at each other. Okay. Like they can hear us. I'm happy to listen, Lisa, but like if we keep yelling at each other and my kids are going to get upset because they're, I'm not yelling at you. Well, I'm just saying, I know you're not and I know how you are. Okay. I just want to know you to know that we're in my home. Justin's out of town. My kids aren't used to this. Like I don't really talk this way in the home. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Yeah, fine. I will say Whitney took a long time to land that plane. She re-landed that plane. Like we get it. We get the curse. Like she got, no, I don't think you understand. We don't use that type of language. They think we want to. Okay. What I think though is that <laughs> just kept going, but she keeps going. It's like, my kids are just like different. They don't understand what's going on. Okay. Understood. They think we're like yelling at each other and ready to tear each other's throats out. Okay. Okay. Understood. They're concerned because they're not used to hearing this. I mean, at this point, I was like, shut up. We get it. My God, Lisa, stop. We get it. We get it. Please don't say anymore what happened. We get it. And Lisa's like, understood. And the confessional, Lisa's like, oh my God. Like all of a sudden, I'm like Emily Post and I'm going to explain it to you how you should behave. Well, let me get you a copy, bitch, because the first rule is don't make your guests uncomfortable. Emily Post, that's fucking Countess Luann, baby. Are you kidding me? But I love Lisa's like, what are you, Emily Post, bitch? <laughs> and Lisa back in the scene goes, to me, when it comes to Anne, she has to figure out, does she want that relationship? It's great if you do, but then don't tell me you don't want it. That's what's triggering. I just don't want to be lied to. That's it. I don't want to be lied to. We got to our first commercial break. We come back and we see Heather arriving at Mary Cosby's house. Woo! Going down the rabbit hole, folks. Here we go. Doom, doom, doom. Doom, doom, doom. It's a time of the season. It just, it's very. Mary Cosby's house is. It's like the Playboy Mansion for religious weirdos. It is a truly just a. Uh, a weird, you always, if you look at scenes with Mary Cosby's house, just look in the background of the scenes. Cause you're always going to see something of like, Oh, that's weird. Why, why, why is a mannequin head out there? Just right there in the living room. That's, that's odd. What a weird color choice. Like you will always see something that's like, Oh, that looks normal. And then you'll just see one thing like, Oh, huh, that knife looks like it has blood on it. That's weird. And Mary's like, how are you? You look so cute. Wow. Didn't you get a did you get fancy just for my house? And Heather's like, of course, Mary. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming. Your first time. My first time ever. Heather in a confessional is like, when Mary invited me to come see where she lives, there was no question. Grandpa Joe gets out of bed for two reasons. Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory and Mary Cosby's house tour. By the way, can we speak about Grandpa Joe real quick from um, the Willy Wonka, the, the book and the movie? And um, I really thought it was so... This, this grandpa, Joe, I don't think deserved to go with the golden ticket. Like, I just felt like he guilted Charlie into it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Go back and rewatch that movie. I just thought it was a lot of pressure to put on the kid. Not unlike Brooks at Whitney's house. Like, please, grandpa, Joe, just, you need to stay here. You cannot go to the prism event. 
Um, Mary shows Heather around the house. Heather in a confessional is like, Mary's home decor is exactly like Mary's personality. You never quite know what you're going to get. Green carpet, Chanel pillow, Dr. Seuss chairs from Whoville. And the ladies end up in the kitchen sitting down on those chairs. And uh, it's wild because it's like, you know, this looks like a place where like laser tag could happen. You'd be like, oh my God, we're going to have, uh, you know, uh, the kids party this week at Mary Cosby's. It's a chain of laser tag places. It's great. Um, the, <laughs> I do want to also address the fact that I called this out a couple weeks ago in that scene with Whitney and Mary Cosby. Nobody truly wants to do a scene with Mary Cosby. So they go into these scenes where they're just like, well, let's see how this goes. And they always, they never say it point blank because I don't think they can say it. Like production won't let them go. Hey, listen, I know I'm going to get nothing out of this, but uh, production said it would be fun and it's a scene, I guess. You know, like, so they know going in, they're always like, well, this, so it's always like, yeah, you never know what you're going to get. It's going to be fun. Cause you know, there's never going to be something truly uncovered in any real deep way that can move the story forward. So it's a little bit of a, amuse-bouche of humor, of comedy in a sense, unless you hate Mary Cosby and a lot of people do, and then you get upset seeing it. But I kind of still think it's funny because it's just funny that really she has no real power, but she still manages to get under the skin and hurt these housewives in little ways. But she doesn't drive the, the plot forward at all. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Prove it! Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour. Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Um, so Heather's like, oh, wow, it's Tiffany Blue. Yeah, yeah, and Mary's like, it is Tiffany Blue. You're exactly right. And they sit down at the table to talk. And Heather's like, thank you for having me. Well, I just wanted to have you over just to talk to you. We always had a connection. Yeah, I mean, you can say no if you don't agree. But like, I always feel connected to you, Heather. And I think it's the spiritual side of things. And I, I think it's our church upbringing, you know, or she said church upgrowing, but church upbringing. And Heather's like, our understanding, Mary, uh, a kind of each other's backgrounds, our spiritual backgrounds and our way of communicating for sure. And Mary's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mary in a confessional goes, I've known Heather for a few years now and I never really got to spend like one-on-one time with Heather because she was always up under Jen. I love that. Just kind of the nicer way to see. She was living in Jen's asshole. So now that Jen's gone, I could really like have a real, like real conversation with her and see how she's doing. And I, I wanted to talk to her about what she puts about me in her book. And I also just, I was kind of looking in the background too, to see Robert Jr. just sneaking out, you know, Robert Jr. just sneaking out like his pregnant wife in the other room that Mary doesn't even know they're married, just sneaking around the house. Like I was always just like, oh my God, it'd be great if like Robert Jr. is like hiding in his room right now, or he's going out to get snacks and like has to hide from the cameras. Mary's like, well, Heather, that being said, 
how do you feel about not being at the church? And Heather's like, well, right now has really been a tumultuous time for me, Mary, because I don't really have the resources I used to have. Like I used to have a church community. I used to have a church that I could go to every single Sunday, but I wrote the book. And I mean, you know how hard our community is. We don't take kindly to dissenters. And Mary's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or to critics of the faith. Well, and Mary's like, we don't accept them. Mary in a confessional goes, I just feel like Heather like wants both. She wants God and she wants a community. She wants her church, but then she wants her dark side, but she cannot have both. Like she definitely has to pick a side. And I think that actually, there always usually is like one nugget that Mary has, you know, one nugget. And there is something very succinct to what she says that I find to be very true is that Heather is, it's kind of like what I imagine, uh, you know, when I try to like uh, get off sugar. You know, your body's like, I crave it. I know it's right, but I crave it. I do think there's a lot of realness in that sentiment of Heather still wanting to have her foot in both. And I think Heather being so declarative about writing a book called Bad Mormon, I think her foot was out of the Mormon religion now for many, many, many years since the separation and divorce from her ex-husband. But being on reality television and kind of getting the boost of that kind of small level of fame really not puffed her ego up, but there is this kind of element of, oh, well, I don't need this at all potentially. And I'm just going to, I'm going to just reveal secrets and I'm going to lean into it. But I think at the end of the day, you know, she, you know, it's different really declaring yourself out as opposed to one foot in one foot out, which you can do in an entire lifetime. So I thought this was very true, this sentiment. Anyways, back in the scene, Mary's like, Speaking of the book, and Heather's like, yes, the book. So you've read the book? Well, I read the part you wrote about me. And Heather's like, is that the only part you read? And Mary's like, well, I read, you know, here and kind of there. And Heather's like, oh, you, you skimmed. Okay. Well, yeah, I kind of skimmed through it. But that that was the part I remembered. And Heather's like, yeah, yeah. And Mary's like, because it wasn't true. And Heather's like, the part that I wrote about you wasn't true? Yeah. Well, every word was true, Mary. No, it was not. Absolutely. No, Heather, some of that, that was not true. What you wrote about me. Heather in a confessional now reading from her book, Bad Mormon on newsstands now says, Mary was equal parts elusive and forthcoming, engaging and disinterested. I agreed with anything and everything she said. And when she corrected my grammar, my pronunciation, my diet and my physical appearance, I hung my head in shame and thanked her sincerely. Heather's like, well, I thought I celebrated you. And Mary's like, like, I was this bougie, poised, and Heather's like, Miss Mary, you are bougie and poised. I like when Heather tries to like do the Miss Mary thing. Oh, Miss Mary. Because that's kind of like a, like a little bit of a ass kissy kind of like, oh, Miss Mary. It's a way to like kind of have somebody drop their defenses. Anyways, Mary's like, no, I'm not. Heather in a confessional goes, I don't think anything I said was that bad. And if anything, I erred on the side of caution. I will say Heather didn't really get deep into any of these ladies' lives, which she talks about the second book down the, the line at the end of this episode. And I'm like, well, I guess we're going to have more conversations about these ladies. And, you know, Heather's storyline every season will now just be something book related. Anyways, Mary's like, I want you to know I care about you, which is a big sentiment for Mary Cosby. And Heather's like, I know. And I feel like that's the place we're in now. I think a lot of what I wrote about in the book was in a place where we were more careless with the mean things we said to each other. And that's what kind of got in the book. And Mary's like, okay. And Heather's like, well, I mean, there were harsh words exchanged. And Mary's like, and what did you find harsh? Because I thought you were harsh towards me. And Heather's like, well, I mean, you've said I didn't even know I looked inbred. And we get a flashback to that scene 
of uh, of that scene where it's a flashback from that where Mary's in a, a room talking to herself and she's like, oh, oh man, she m- m- Heather just being all, you know, judgmental, like your typical Mormon. She doesn't even know she looks inbred. Like it was a wild. So she's like, Heather asked her point blank in the scene, do you think I look inbred? And Mary's like, I do. I do. And gives her like this really like, yeah, I do. Thank you for asking. I do. And Heather's like aghast. And I had to say, it's a really harsh sentiment. It truly is. But it's one of those sentiments where then you spend the rest of the episode just looking at Heather's face because you're just like, oh, damn. Like, you're like, damn, Mary Cosby. Like, that's a really intense thing to say. And if it was any other housewife, I just feel like if you would put Mary Cosby on another like iteration of housewives, Mary Cosby would potentially be thrown through a wall. You know, like I was trying to think of like the housewife that would be like, what the fuck did you just say? You think I looked inbred? What the fuck did you just say? Um, so Mary in a confessional goes, oh, Lord. Oh, God. That Heather's going to get me for that one. <laughs> Mary in this scene goes, so did that bother you when I said that? And Heather's like, well, yeah, yeah, because uh, inbred uh, means ugly. <laughs> I love it. Mary was like, no, girl, inbred is beautiful. You've got to embrace your inbredness. I mean, don't embrace it too much, but you got to embrace because it's beautiful. It was how the Lord made you. <laughs> like, what? I can, this is this, it is such a bizarre conversation. Mary's like, well, if that bothered you, let me apologize now. Like, who in the world is it not going to bother? Like, oh, I'm sorry. If, that, if you're one of those people that being called inbred bother, if you're one of those rare people that don't like being called inbred, I guess I shall apologize. And Mary's like, well, I'm just angry and I'm sorry. Like, I really am sorry, Heather. And Heather's like, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And Mary's like, yeah, I would never want to intentionally hurt you or say say things to you that is not true. I like in this whole conversation at any point, Mary is also like, oh, I was, I, you don't look inbred. Like that was never, Mary never, never goes, you don't look inbred. I was just mad. She never says that. So she's just like, yeah, no, I stand by it. Yeah, yeah. I was mad though. It's so wild. Heather goes, I mean, it's just hard because a lot of people are upset about what I wrote in the book. And you're not the first one to come to me and say, I'm upset about it. But I was trying to tell my story as authentically as possible without hurting too many feelings. That's what Heather feels bad about. Like, you didn't even read my book and you're upset at me. Like, come on. And Mary goes, well, as much as that part was like, uh, I am so proud of you. And Heather's like, well, thank you. Well, I am proud of you, Heather. And Heather's like, well, maybe one day you can write your own book and you'll see how hard it is to be authentic but also be kind. And Mary's like, huh, I don't know if I want to write a book, but I will, maybe. <laughs> but the, Mary Cosby's book, it's Mary Cosby's book is just called Heather Gay Looks Inbred by Mary Cosby. <laughs> Chapter one, Heather's Nose. <laughs> so, huh, you gave me a lot to think on. Maybe I will write a book about you looking inbred. Me not apologizing in a real way. That is a good book. <laughs> By the way, wouldn't it be great when Heather Kate's second book comes out, Mary releases it on the same day? <laughs> or Mary just calls it Good Mormon by Mary Cosby. Anyways, Mary's like, huh. And Heather's like, well, this has been really fun, Mary. <laughs> Been really, this is what I'm talking about. These housewives, like Whitney in that dinner scene, she was like, "Okay, Mary, um, I, you don't need to leave. Okay, you're leaving. Okay, cool." They always are just like, "Well, 
this was great. <laughs> and you know, it wasn't great for any of them. I was like, this has been really fun. Yeah, this has been great. Thanks for having me. Your house is just grand. I think we need to have a spectacular party at night with all the lights here. And Mary's like, huh, party's one thing, but the people that are at your party, that matters to me. Like, I like that Mary's like, I am never going to have any of these fuck nuts in my house altogether ever again. Commercial break. We're back from commercial break. Next scene. Oh, you guys. We're at a podcasting scene. We've got Meredith Marks, baby. Okay, we're at Meredith's house where she is recording her podcast, hanging on by a thread with uh, Meredith and Seth. And she's on her FaceTime with her producer, Antonio. And Meredith's like, uh, I've got this squad quad thing open to record like you told me last time. I just, I never closed it to be totally transparent with you. So um, do I just hit join session? And Antonio's like, yeah, you're going to start a new session. Oh, okay. Hold on. So here's what I see on my screen. And she puts her phone up to show him on FaceTime. And he's like, I thought you were a techie person. <laughs> Antonio, I was really good at the first part, plugging everything in. And I'm really good at that. Oh, oh, there I am. There I appeared. See, okay. I am really good. Really half. I mean, most of the battle of podcasting is just plugging things. I mean, really plugging things in. That's a huge one because, you know, power. Uh, Seth Marks walks in. He's like, hey, what's going on? Who are you talking to, Meredith? Antonio, Seth. He's helping me get this set up. Antonio, what's up, brother? Seth and Meredith start recording their podcast. And Meredith's like, okay, welcome back to Hanging by a Thread. So we are picking up where we left off last time, which was um getting into our wedding. And Seth is just making noise. He's like, He's just making noises, which is really fun for a guy to do on mic. I try to do it for a living now, uh, but he's just like, oh, he, oh, he. I'm Seth. What's going on there, boy? I'm making sounds on a microphone. I'm in Canton, Ohio. And Mary's like, could you stop? And Seth's like, oh, okay, okay. Meredith and confessional is like, Seth and I have really busy schedules and we can't necessarily get together every single week to record a podcast. So we want to have some fun. We want to have some of them banked to uh, make sure we actually have something to air every week. But reeling Seth in is just a job in and of itself. He's just crazy on that microphone. Um, I do think it is, it's great. <laughs> like I love, because here, okay. So they, they talked about the podcast this season. They put one podcast out. It was like 15 minutes long. And then they waited like a month and a half to put out the next one. And I think they're on a regular basis now, but these are like 30 minute podcasts. And I'm so sorry. Like there is something in me that that's where I'm just like, come on. Like, listen, I do this multiple times a day. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying it's super easy. Like, come on, you're married. You could literally just do voice memos on a phone. Like you would just like talk around the dinner table and call that a podcast. So it's wild that like, I can't get, I can't just, we, it's hard. It's hard to do this, you know, like fuck, just call it pillow talk with Meredith and Seth and just like have it on before you go to sleep. That's a podcast right there. Anyway, Meredith is like, um, show, um, our wedding. And Seth's like, oof. Okay. First of all, you wanted to have like the biggest production of all time. I think it was three fifty. 
350 guests, 350 Ritz Carlton, Chicago. It had to be at the Ritz Carlton. Well, it didn't have to be at the Ritz Carlton. Oh, yeah, it could have been at the Four Seasons. I'm sorry. We we had the prenuptial dinner there. And Antonio's like, wait, you just men- mentioned uh, prenuptial. Do, do you guys have a prenup? Um, and Mary's like, no, we actually have a post-nup. And Antonio's like, well, when did that come in? And Mary's like, well, the reason we had a post-nup. And Seth's like, 15 years into the marriage, Antonio. Mary's like, 15 years into the marriage. marriage. Um, and th- I did not expect this scene to go where it goes. She, she goes, you were very disconnected from me at this point in time. And I was moving with three children from Chicago to Park City, Utah, where if you were to go get a divorce, it's not favorable for women in Utah. And I was worried that I would lose my children and be stuck somewhere that I didn't know and that he would leave me. And that is why I had a post-up. There was nothing financial in it. It was strictly about custody of our children. You were afraid I was going to leave you? Mm-hmm. Okay, so first off, that's really intense and a little sad. I mean, a lot sad. And you really like, wow. But the 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 point of the scene that got ridiculous for me was Seth was like, that's why you did it? <laughs> I just signed the paperwork. I had no clue you were scared I was going to leave you. Wow. Wow. Guess I didn't really have my eye on the ball back then. I wasn't really paying attention, which actually would, you know, also prove that they did have actual issues in their marriage. Now, remember, first season of Salt Lake, that was the whole deal was the issues in their marriage. So this is wild hearing this. And it's very serious. And it almost made me want to go listen to their podcast. Meredith in the confessional was like, I don't think Seth remembers how bad things really were like back then I was terrified he was leaving like we were not happy together it was not good I once told him you can leave (laughs) Seth goes uh well during this whole time I believed it was the husband's responsibility to provide the financial support for your family and nothing else make as much money as you can provide a better life for your kids than you had. But I would, uh, you know, when the kids had issues or challenges or homework or problems, I didn't want anything to do with it. I was there for like, uh, from an emotional support standpoint, I wasn't there and I regret that. And he starts, uh, I regret it. Oh, old Seth, he's going to cry on Mike. And then he starts making crying sounds just to hear himself cry on Mike. By the way, I I listen. I you guys know I cry on the mic every week. Uh, Seth, doesn't it feel good? Uh, she's, he's like, I apologize for that. And Merritt's like, Thank you, honey. Thank you very much. And Seth's like, Yeah, I take responsibility for it, and that's why I know that there. And Merritt's like, Uh oh, what? And Merritt's like, Is this recording? Uh oh, no. Oh my God, Meredith, are you shitting me? You did not get that shit? Seriously. And the subtext there was like, that was fucking gold. Yeah, that old Seth on the mic crying, showing a real, real Iron John moment that he can actually have feelings that men out there and you didn't record it. What the fuck, Meredith? Jeez. I do think it's wild, though. There's just not a world in which I want to believe, because Seth always seems like, uh, obviously gregarious and why, but he seems like a very caring, he's always like, ah, Brooks, I'm very proud of you, Brooks. I mean, that's wild though, and it really does show, I mean, my dad was a little like this, 
you know, he was a, he was a salesman. He was traveling. He was gone Monday through Friday usually. And, uh, uh, you know, and it is interesting. Like now he's very different. So I, I, maybe it's a little like that, but I thought that was really wild of like, I'm out there on the road trying to earn moolah. So Brooks can slap his name on some sweatsuits. You know what I'm saying? Like it, wild. But I thought this was just, I didn't expect it to go in this kind of deep way. But I was really happy that they, they opened up in this way. It gave me a whole new perspective on their relationship. Anyway, Meredith, uh, Antonio was like, oh my God, it says join session, Meredith. And Meredith's like, ha, 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 ha. And Seth's like, ha, ha, ha. it's funny. It's, we got to laugh. We got to laugh. New scene, we arrive at Monica's house and we see her girls playing inside and Monica comes in with a poster and balloons for prom. I guess Monica's going to prom again. No, I think her daughter is. Monica says she doesn't know how to tie a balloon and they start working on a car drives up and her daughter Bree is like, is that Bovo? Is that Bovo? Bovo's grandma and Monica's like, what are you talking about? And Bree's like, that's Vovo. That's your car. And Monica's like, oh my God. Okay, Bree, I don't want her to come in here with the kids for real. I like that. It's like echo, echo, bravo, bravo. You know the drill. You know the drill. Go under the trap door in the house. Hide, hide. I just love that they're like, we got to get out of here. Vovo's here. Go, go, go. We've run the drills. Let's go. Monica's like, okay, kids, for real. Can you please just, and Bree's like, lock the door after you go out. And Monica's like, just stay in here with them. I mean, it's wild. And so Monica goes outside to talk to her mom. Monica in a confessional is like, there has been zero communication between my mother and I since that dinner where she thought the guacamole was a dessert. None. We get a flashback to that dinner from hell a few episodes ago. And Monica is like, what are you doing here? And LD Millionaire, that's her Twitter name, says, hi, hi. And Monica's like, why? And Linda's like, I come bearing gifts. And Monica's like, this is not a gift. It's a peace offering, Okay. I can't do this anymore, mom. Like, I can't live when you get upset or mad that you're just going to come and take my car away from me. And Linda's like, I'm just trying to get your attention, hon, and then I'll stop. I won't do it anymore. I won't do it anymore. And Monica's like, this is our pattern. Our relationship has always been very volatile volatile, and very up and down. It's like high highs and low lows. And Linda's like, I clearly have some skills to learn. When we had dinner, I was serious about therapy. I think it would be so good for us. We would both get a scene out of it on a major uh, cable show. No, she's like, I think we need to get back on track. Are you down with having therapy with me? And Monica pauses and takes a breath. And it's like, I don't know. I would, um, I'd like to think about it. Uh, to be honest, because we have gone to therapy for years. And Linda's like, but it was such a long time ago. The cycle of dysfunction in our family goes back generations, right? You can, uh, You and I can be the ones to break it. We can do that. And by the way, I just, it's so interesting. And this is why I'm a little skeptical of these scenes now, because even at the dinner a couple of episodes ago, Monica's the one that pointed out that her mom had a volatile relationship with her mother and breaking the cycle. And now Linda's like, we've had a history of, because back a couple episodes ago, Linda didn't know what the hell Monica was talking about. Monica goes, mom, you just kidnapped my car from me and you want to talk about dysfunction? And Linda's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I also want to point out though, and maybe they said this in another episode and I'm just forgetting it, is that you see in the driveway where, you know, Nomo, uh, her mom brings the car back. You see that there's another car parked up front. You see that there's like another car in the driveway. So I'm like, wait a second. I'm so confused. 
what, what's the what's the actual car situation here? Monica in a confessional goes, my mother and I have been to therapy together several times, but it did not help. We go to therapy. My mother shows up. She's not herself. And unless you're going to go to therapy and be really freaking br- brutally honest and show up as your messed up self, it doesn't fix anything. Linda in this scene goes, you and I, look at me. We can be the ones. I'm serious. And Monica's like, I just need time to think about it. You, you, you better get to walking though, because it's going to be a cold walk home. And Linda's like, you cannot be serious. And Monica's like, I mean, it's beautiful out. And Linda's like, can Bree drive me? And Monica's like, no, you'll be fine. And Monica literally leaves Linda standing in the driveway and walks back into her house. And Linda goes, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And we watch Linda walk down the sidewalk alone. Now on Twitter, Linda goes, yeah, production wouldn't even drive me home. Said it would be a liability. Like, is this really, are we for real? And also Linda then couldn't call Uber. Do it. Does Salt Lake City, do we live in a world where Uber doesn't exist? What year does Salt Lake City take place in? Is it like 2005? Like what year is this? Like this just does, this seems like a bridge too far for me. I don't know why it's this scene, but this scene stood out to me as a lot of weird manipulation. And I don't know, I don't know if it's from production side or from Monica and her mom's side or a mixture of both, but it really struck me as odd. Did it strike you as odd or did you just like, oh, okay. Anyways. We come back in the next scene to Heather getting ready to go into her book event. And Heather's like, this book tour had me stopping in cities all around this great country, but this is the first small book event in Salt Lake City. And what I love most about these book events is meeting up with people who have similar experiences and stories as mine. It just makes me feel less isolated. It makes me feel connected. And it makes me feel like I've gained more than I've lost. And I like the, the subtext of that is also, I wrote a book and I want to publicize it, which is great. Also, I want to point out that outside there are just people people picketing this book. No, nobody's there. Nobody's picketing. Nobody's, I don't, I I really, I need to see some of this shunning in action that Heather is getting. Heather is talking to Tony, her PR person. And Tony's like, well, we did oversell a bit. And Heather's like, okay, that's me. I always oversell. I sell out venues. This is what we need to plan on in the future. And Tony's like, it's good though. It's good. It's good. Outside, we see Lisa Barlow pull up. She comes in and greets everyone. I just thought, uh, because Heather talks about writing a second book in this. What if it goes like, I'd love to see Heather write fiction. Wouldn't you like Heather like becomes like a Stephen King type author? author, you know, when I like trapped at Mary Cosby's house or something, uh, Lisa comes in she's like, it looks awesome. I love this living room setup. And Heather's like, it's kind of a vibe, right? Did you know I own like a hundred couches if you ever need them? Dude, I want to sleep on one of Lisa's couches. Are you kidding me? Heather goes, you have a hundred couches? Not like a hundred, but like a lot. Heather laughs and Lisa walks up to the music stand and Lisa's like, can I practice? And Heather's like, yeah. Testing, testing, one, two, three, sibilance, sibilance, tin roof, rusted. Lisa in the confessional goes, isn't this a nice turn of events? This week has not been my favorite. I feel like I'm in this like weird place with Whitney after I cursed around her children and scared them to pieces. We get a flashback to Lisa and Whitney's conversation earlier and Lisa in a confessional going, and I don't really feel like talking to Angie about anything that happened this week. We flashback to Lisa and Angie K's argument from last week's episode and Lisa in a confessional is like, I'm just really wanting to have a good time with Heather. I just want to have a good time with the good time girl. Heather's singing, I just want Lisa to love me. And Lisa's like, ha ha ha, ha ha ha. And Heather keeps going, just live like Lisa. You'll be a great Mormon without even trying. And Lisa's singing, she's like, that's going in one ear and out the other. But once again, I just love that Heather still won't let this go. 
I just want to live like Lisa. You'll be a great Mormon without even trying. Like Heather implying of like, Lisa thinks she's a great Mormon and she doesn't do anything that the Mormon religion tells her to do. But but that's what I'm saying is that Heather, it's not your business. Like Heather, you really are a good Mormon because you truly are a very typical Mormon in that sense, in that way, is you're very judgmental about other people and the way they live their lives and how they interpret their religion. You know, it's wild. Next, we see people arriving at the party, including Meredith and Angie Kay. And Lisa looks over at Angie Kay and doesn't greet her, folks. Oh, my God. Angie Kay in a confessional is like, I haven't gotten one phone call or text from Lisa since the PRISM event. Normally, Lisa and I talk about 80 to 100 times a day. Hundred That's like uh, Lisa has like 100 couches. And now she's ignoring me. So I know Lisa's annoyed and something's up. And next we see Monica arrive and she goes to the bar and asks her, she's like, do you guys have something without Vita tequila? (laughs) Like, that's what I'm talking about. That's like a really cutting thing of like, I don't want any of this shitty tequila. I actually, I had Vita tequila at BravoCon. It was pretty good. Like, I didn't mind it. Uh, Lisa, if you're listening, please uh, send me a bottle. And also, I apologize for the invitation. Uh, Monica in a confessional goes, I have not seen Lisa since our spiritual encounter at the sound bath. And we do another flashback to that fight from last week. Monica in a confessional goes, I feel like every time I turn around, I get a jump scare because there she fucking is. Lisa Barlow. The event is in full swing, folks. People are mingling. They're they're settling into their seats, ready to be booked out. And Lisa walks up to Heather and says, uh, she's like, I'm nervous now, Heather. And Lisa's like, do you get nervous or no? And Heather goes, Yeah, I need to get a drink. Well, you don't seem nervous. Here, do you want mine? And Heather's like, yeah, I want one sip. Did you see the Vita tequila drinks they made? Yes, thank you. Thank you. I do, I keep thinking about flashbacks of that first season. And remember that when Lisa got into a fight with Whitney? Because Whitney was like, um, you didn't send enough Vita tequila and we ran out within the first hour. And Lisa's like, are you kidding me? We gave a billion bottles of Vita. Are you kidding me? Your just party was just out of control with drunks. We go back into the party and we see Meredith and Monica talking. And Monica is like, I just wanted to fill you in, Meredith, on a little bit of what happened at the PRISM event. Lisa and I totally got into it and it got very nasty. We were bickering back and forth and she was like, whatever, Monica, your own mother doesn't even want you. We get a flashback to last week when Lisa told Monica to be quiet. Monica said, you're not my mother, so I don't need to listen to you, which was so telling, right? Like, wow. And then Lisa saying back to her, no one wants to be her mother, clearly. Meredith hears all of this and looks shocked, but she also kind of looks dead behind the <laughs> It's like, she goes, she said that to you. She said that to you. And Monica's like, uh-huh. I'm not going to let her bully me around or say things and not bite back. And Meredith, and also I want to point out in this scene, Meredith, she has a lot of long pauses in between things that she said. Have you noticed this? Meredith's like, you just nailed the problem right on the head. Your exact words to me were... I react rather than respond. It's just like, like really like weird pauses. And Monica's like, yeah. And Mary's like, if you can try to give a response rather than a reaction, I think you'll have more success. And Monica's like, yeah, that sounds healthy. So I probably won't do it. And Meredith then goes, ha, 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 
Uh, Tony announces it's time for the event to begin. Lisa gets on stage and introduces Heather. And Lisa's like, Heather told me about this special day. And I'm here to give you a little rendition of my hit single, Away in a Manger. And Lisa sings like, away in a manger, no crime on his head, a little one Jesus lay down his sweet head. I love this version of this song. And Lisa's singing her song and Monica's like, nope, nope. Monica's like heckling Lisa Barlow. And Angie K is sitting next to her just trying not to laugh. Lisa in a confessional is like, whose side are you on, Angie K? Like you're sitting here snickering with Monica while I'm up here trying to support our friend. <laughs> the real support would have been reading her book, but nobody can do that. This is exactly why I'm avoiding her. And Lisa in the scene goes, actually, you know what? I'm kind of bored with this song. Heather. And then Heather comes out on stage in a black robe and she's like, yeah, let's get this party going. Give Lisa an amen. Hey, you guys, we have local, what is it called? Like local motion or something. The choir comes in and they start uh, singing as they're heading to the stage and they give Lisa, they're like, give us a beat. They're like, boom, 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 boom. Oh, Away in SLT in a new crib in a bed. This best-selling author lay down her sweet head. The stars in the heavens look down where she lay, singing sweet dreams of the book sales to this bad girl. Gay. And then Lisa drops the mic and leaves the stage. But it's like, boom, jump, boom, 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 jump, boom, jump. Boom, 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 choo. Away in LLC. <laughs> just like, what if it's just like very graphic, like motherfucker this and motherfucker that. I'm in SLC and fuck, suck my dad. <laughs> and Whitney's like, stop. The kids are here. Please stop cursing in your raps. Please, please. Lisa finishes leaving the stage and Meredith in a confessional goes, I give Lisa a lot of credit for getting up there. And doing that. And Andrew Kane, a confessional, goes, um, <laughs> you know this probably enrages Lisa Barlow to see this. Meredith back in a confessional goes, but I don't know that she has a future in rapping. I just don't know. And then Andrew Kay once again goes, um, and then Monica in a confessional goes, what the fuck? Truly, like, wow. And then Angie Kay in a confessional goes, let me think how to word this. Then Monica in this scene to Angie Kay goes, I want my money back. Heather from the stage goes, guys, thank you so much for being here. This is the culmination of an international book tour. I'm just beyond honored to have you all here tonight. I never imagined that I would write a book and I never imagined that the book would be so well received. I never wanted to be a bad Mormon. I wanted to be a good Mormon. And in fact, I wanted to be a perfect Mormon. And I'm going to read you a little bit of my book that'll help you understand a little bit about my story. And then she starts reading from her book. She's like, she entered the room. The crotchless panties made her feel awareness that there was wind going around her hoo-ha. She sidled up to the bed as a guy named Brick came in and laid next to her and said, Hey, 
Mary Cosby says you look in. No. <laughs> the expert from the book goes, on a flight back from Norway recently, I discovered my seat was separated from my friends. We considered asking the young man across the aisle to switch seats. Before we could summon the courage, he looked over and volunteered. Later, as we waited in the baggage claim, I saw him reach into his pocket and pull out a little black pla placard and affix it to his shirt. You're a missionary, I said. Immediately, he launched into an explanation. Yeah, we aren't allowed to wear our name tags in Amsterdam. He was so apologetic, worried that I might rat him out to the authorities. No, 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 I reassured him. It's not about your name tag. There was just something different about you, and now I know what it was. What I really wanted to do at that moment was hug him. I wanted to say I know you because I was you, and what you hold sacred, I held sacred. And if one day you realize that you want to leave all of this, you can, and you can come find me, and I'll still know you, know you and I'll still help you. I don't want you to ever think that I'm not on your side. Despite everything, when that missionary put on that little black name tag, there was no one in that airport that I wanted to talk to more. And everybody claps. Da, da, da. But I would also like next season if this gentleman actually joins the show and like just shows up at her doorstep of like, can I live with you now, please? I'm the guy from the book. I need you right now. Monica in a confessional was like, listening to Heather is very eye-opening because I do see we have so many similarities. Growing up, my mother and I always had the missionaries in our home. We always signed up to feed them meals. And those were very good memories because it kind of felt like older brothers. It was just, they're very cherished memories. And I'm very grateful for missionaries so I can completely relate to Heather. Heather takes a selfie with the crowd in the background and says, Thank you. And they cheer for her. And I want to, you know, point that out is even if you don't agree with the religion, I don't think Mormon missionaries are bad. They're doing with what they believe in. Like I I've known a lot of Mormons in my life and, uh, you know, they're always such good hearted people. And I was talking to Uba from Real Housewives in New York the other day, and we were talking about respecting other people's religions. And I know, this, I know you didn't expect me to just go here all of a sudden, but uh, she was talking about going to a Catholic mass the other day for a friend's son's funeral. And uh, she was like, I'm not Catholic, but of course I, I want to go in there and pay my respects and, and, and kneel and pray and do what they do to honor their dead. And I thought that was so powerful. And also, you know, one of those things is that like, just because you don't agree with somebody else's tenets of their religion doesn't mean that these aren't good people. Doesn't mean that, uh, you know, that, that you can't have good memories with them, that they're not like, that there is this basic kindness in them. That's something that should be appreciated and, um, uh, held up and, you know, like try to, I mean, that is something that is impressive of me. These people that can go around and get doors slammed in their face so much, you know, and I, I think it's a different way to look at these things. Or sometimes we need to look at things through a different prism, not to use uh, Whitney's event again, prism. Anyways, we're back on commercial. We come back to the party and Heather starts the book signing portion of the night. And Lisa comes up and hugs Heather and tells her, you did great. She begins to meet other fans, hugging them, signing books. Heather says, this has been like the best year of my life. Is it Heather? Because you say you're being shunned everywhere. Which is it, Heather? What what is it, Heather? Is it the best year? Or is it, I have a prediction, it is the best year. I just think that she I think Heather is a little bit light on story. So I think, you know, I but I truly think this probably is the best year. I think she's riding the high of this book, which she should. It was successful. Uh she says, I can't believe that someone asked me to write a book. I can't believe that people read the book. I can't believe that people love the book, and I don't want it to end. I want to keep doing this. And I, by the way, what if, what if her book actually got people to the Mormon religion? And they were like, we know you left, but you made it sound great. So we started. Yeah. Um, she's like, I don't want it to end. I want to keep doing this. And I want to write a second book. There it is. And I want to write a third book. And I want to keep exploring like who I am and why I feel the way I do. And I hope that it reaches other people too. And I feel connected to these people. And I feel that they are the community that replaced the church in my life. 
isn't that kind of an interesting thing? It's like, you know, that kind of high from having something be successful and wanting to repeat that again and again. I want to keep exploring. I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. And I'm curious where that leads in the long run. You know, I'm curious where that leads. I'm, I'm interested to see this. Lisa goes, I enjoyed tonight so much, Heather. Like you did such a good job. You got me emotional. And Heather's like, really? Did it help you kind of understand me a little bit more? Yes, yes. There's things that you said that I'm like, oh, you're crying with the missionaries. And I'm like, my son's going to be one of them. And Heather's like, I know. And that's why I feel like I want to be a part of it because I feel like I understand it. But I'm also left out because I wrote this book and I think I just want to be validated. That should be the end of the sentence right there. I want to be valid. That's what Heather wants. That's what Heather's want, especially from Lisa from season one, just to feel validated by her. Heather really has a very deep insecurity about validation. I mean, I do too, but you really notice that with Heather in particular. Heather says, like, why do the rules exist for some people? You know what I mean? But not for others. And just because they don't directly affect you, I'm looking for validation. Lisa's like, if that's what you're looking for, it took all this time to get to that. And Heather's like, yeah, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> Second book. And Heather, Lisa's like, Heather, you're validated. I think if you grow up culturally here, there's a weird set of rules that are my kids don't have because I don't raise them with them. And that's a valid point as well. Just because Heather grew up like having to be, you know, like to the T, letter by letter, following this religion doesn't mean everybody is like that. And that is the thing that I keep thinking. I, I I think Heather keeps missing because, and, and she feels like this great unfairness is somebody's cheating when she had to go the long way. And I think it's really, that's kind of interesting when you look behind all the, the, the periphery bullshit, that to me is kind of fascinating. Lisa in a confessional goes, it's nice that Heather and I finally hit a place where we can like, just accept each other. I still won't allow her around my son. <laughs> she goes, you know, Heather and I have a lot of issues. And the one thing that has really bothered me the most is the way she talks about Jack's mission. What this mission means for Jack is that he gets to go out and serve others, that he gets to promote kindness and love. And it's totally different than Heather's experience. But I definitely have a different understanding of Heather now. And I feel like for the first time, she's realizing that it's there's not one way to live any religion and specifically ours. And Lisa goes to Heather, you're still figuring out where you are in this journey. And there's nothing wrong with that. You make a lot of people feel good. And it's like, well, I need to be more open to your experience. And like the fact that like, instead of just being like, it's not fair, you can't wear strapless dresses and drink tequila. And Lisa goes, I think it's okay to have both. Heather in a confessional goes, this is definitely a big breakthrough for me and Lisa to share this moment with her feels healing. It feels exciting. And it makes me really glad that she's my friend and that she showed up for me today for the first time. I'm not bringing her game down. We go back to the party. We see Angie K Meredith and Monica standing together. Monica's like, have you guys talked at all? And they both respond. No. And Monica's like, Oh, okay. Okay. I, I just didn't know. And Angie K goes, no, we're just standing here. Remember Angie K and Meredith have a little bit of a issue. And Meredith goes, um, you didn't miss anything. And Monica's like, okay. And Angie Kay is like, well, I'm not going to make a big deal about this, but I know you were making threats and I don't want you to run away on me today. So I'm just going to tell you why it hurt as a mother that you were threatening my family. And Meredith's like, I'm not threatening your family. And Angie's like, you said it. I could ruin their family. And Meredith's like, but I'm not going to. Big difference. <laughs> Meredith, like, not even does like, yes, I said that, but I also said I probably won't. So, yeah. Angie Kay's like, but you couldn't ruin my family, Meredith. You don't have the power to ruin my family. And, you know, Meredith's like, okay, Angie, great. I don't have the power. 
I'll remember that. Uh, you say you're Greek, right, Angie? <laughs> I just love Meredith. You don't say I have the power. Yes, yes, okay. It's like fair for you. It's really like Godfather-esque. And Angie's like, yeah, even with words. And Meredith's like, yeah, I don't. You're right. And Angie K goes, why does it have to get so passive aggressive? I'm just telling you how you made me feel. And Meredith goes, and I'm very sorry that it made you feel badly. And I hurt your feelings and upset you. <laughs> I love every line Meredith says. You can read it with this kind of like, yes, I agree with you. And we'll just see how far that gets you. Huh. Stay out of dark alleys, Angie K. <laughs> Um, so Angie's like, okay, well, thank you. And Mary's like, what else would you like from me at this juncture? And Angie's like, nothing else. And Monica's like, I mean, I'm sorry. Monica's like, I mean, that's more than I'm getting from Lisa Barlow. And Mary's like, so let's move on. And Angie goes like, I've moved on Meredith. And Meredith goes, thank you. And I will move on now too. And she grabs her bag to leave. It's kind of like, and a good day to you, sir. And a good day to you. I'm going to go work on the amount of power I have. See you in Greek hell, Angie K. Anyways, Angie K's like, sounds good. And Monica's like, are you leaving? And Mary's like, it was good to see you, Monica. And Monica's like, okay, bye. And Mary's like, see you later. And Angie K goes like, thank you for not running away this time. And Mary's like, I don't. I don't run away. And Angie K goes like, no, I mean that. I'm glad we got through that. Thank you. Thank you. Really condescending. Angie K in a confessional goes, the apology from Meredith, it feels shady. It feels fake. It feels like Meredith. We go back over to Heather talking to her girls and they both say they love the book tours and tell Heather they were crying, you know, and Heather tells them, she's like, girls, I'm going to do a second book. I, I'm going to do a second book. And I don't believe this is the first time the girls have heard this. I don't believe Heather would put this conversation on camera for the first time where she's like, are you guys all right with me doing a second book to Bad Mormon? But like, what is it going to be like Bad Mormon 2? Uh, you know, Bad Mormon Boogaloo, like Bad Mormon 2, even worse. Bad more like Baddest Mormon. Like what? what is the second book going to be about? Like truly, I, I, I'm just like, okay, what, what else do we got? What else do we got? Because if this is your storyline, what do we got for the second book? What are we saving for the second book? Because you always got to have something. You always got to be like, I had a weird sexual experience when I was, you know, like there's got to be something you've saved for the second book. So I'm curious what that is. But she asked the girls if they're if she's okay with them writing the book, even if it puts a target on their back again. They're like, you might be bullied. Are you okay with it? And they're like, of course, we just want you to be happy. And, and they even say, we just want you to do it for the right reasons. We don't want you to do it just to get back at the Mormon faith, you know, which I thought was really, these kids are sometimes way smarter than their parents. I thought that was actually really amazing. In a confessional, Heather goes, having my daughter support me and give me their blessing for me to write a second book means everything to me. And as a mom, it feels so rewarding to know that you've raised children that are resilient. So now do we start this book cycle again? Like, remember when we had the book cover before Heather even read the book, uh, wrote the book? Like by the end of the season, are we going to have a book cover reveal party for like book two? Like, I feel like it just, it's all just this kind of cycle of Groundhog Day of like, here we go again. Here we go. Um, I'm, I'm curious about all of this. And also the other housewives must be livid because they didn't even read her first book. And now they have to like pretend to read her second book. It's the next day. And we see Lisa's in her kitchen, setting up some snacks and drinks, not charcuterie, mind you. It looks like, like, so, like a muffin thing that you get from Costco and some like straw. She's like picking out strawberries. Lisa in a confession was like, I hate the way I feel right now. I'm friends with Angie, but I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling blindsided because I don't understand why my friend is behaving like this. I don't 
don't understand why I don't feel like my friend is my friend. We see Angie K walking up. The ladies read each other. They head into the kitchen. Lisa's like, hey, I grabbed us croissants from Neater's. And Angie's like, oh, I love it. And Lisa's like, do you want anything to eat? I'm always hungry. And Angie's like, I'll have a croissant with you. And the ladies fix their plate. And Lisa's like, how's everything going? And Angie Kay's like, well, just so you know, the usual. We, we haven't talked for a couple days, so no. And Angie's like, I just feel like I needed a minute to like gather my thoughts. And I just felt overwhelmed after Whitney's prism event. And Lisa's like, Whitney's prism event, Bobby's birthday party. And Angie Kay's like, Bobby's birthday party? You left upset. Yeah, I needed a break too. I just didn't realize that Monica had such big issues with me. And Angie Kay's like, look, I know you're upset because I think you feel like I'm taking her side. Wait, 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 Angie Kay. I'm confused right now. I did not feel like you're taking Monica's side at all. What bothered me is you telling me you don't like Monica you don't want a relationship with Monica that you're not really that close with her so I'm like what is this all about then the optics don't match the conversations and it's confusing for me oh I love that she used optics again hell yeah um Angie Kay's like you're right all of that is true I'm not denying that I've had those feelings I'm not denying that I'm not I have said negative things about her but look Woman to woman. I love it. It's like, I have ripped the shit out of that woman. But listen, woman to woman, she asked for a sit down to talk about what happened at my house at Greek Easter. Yeah, we got Greek in there. We get a flashback to Angie Kay and Monica talking and clearing the air last week. And Angie Kay goes, listen, Lisa, things left good with us. And that's why at this point, I'm trying to move forward with her. See, I didn't know any of this. And Angie Kay's like, well, there was some resolve. I'm going to take full responsibility and take accountability. I probably have been wishy-washy along the way at times. And maybe part of why I haven't been clear is because am I afraid to be clear? I'm not saying I want to be best friends with Monica. Why would you want to be afraid to be clear? Well, I don't know if it's subconscious because like when you found out that I painted birdhouses at Heather Gay's, you were so upset with me. And we get a flashback to that. We're back on this scene and Angie Kay's like, I was afraid to tell you that I went to Heather's house until after I went to Heather's house. And Lisa's like, your insecurities and in telling me stuff is not my problem. I mean, Lisa's right. Lisa in a confessional goes, it is such a fucking cop out to say, I'm the reason you're not telling me something. You're the reason you're not telling me something. You're weak. You're afraid. And you're a liar. <laughs> she man, Lisa Barlow, the power. My God. Angie K goes, I thought you're going to think this takes away from who I am to you as a friend. Lisa's like, why would I think that? I don't think that way. You're projecting that onto me. I got upset because she apologized to you for how you took a beating and I took a beating. And Angie K's like, I get it. And it was like a beating over and over again. That's what triggered me. I was being beaten. Angie K in a confessional goes, it's my nature to get along with people. So I'm wanting to find peace with Monica. I'm wanting to move forward with Heather and Lisa is hurt by both of those friendships. It's like all stemming from like her getting hurt from Angie H or her, her girding, her getting hurt from Jen, but I'm not those people. Lisa in this scene goes, how do you think it feels to be me in this situation? Like my friends are hiding things. Like I'm transparent with you, Angie K. I'm an open book. I say exactly how I feel. I say exactly what I mean. And Angie K is going, I, I support everything, Lisa. So if you're not being honest with me, that's on you. And Angie K goes, I would have never blown up with you if you went to someone's house. So it's easy for you to tell me that. And Lisa's like, that's on you if you're not honest. And Angie K is like, when I tried to touch you at the bar, you pulled away. You pulled away and you said, don't touch me. We had a flashback to last week when Lisa's like, don't touch me, Andy, Angie K. 
Angie K goes, I would never treat you that way. And that's why it's easy for you to have this conversation. And Lisa's like, because I don't feel like you're being honest with me, Angie K. That's why I'm acting this way. And Angie K is like, I'm just going to move forward and keep her at a distance, but still be cordial and, and kind to her when I see her. That's all. I don't want you to feel like you have to have secrets from me. I'm never mad at you. There are other things that have hurt me and I've explained that to you and I'm still healing from some things. And it was very triggering, which is why I pumped the brakes with Meredith to have this happen to you how you feel about not telling me things isn't me and angie's like it's me it's you yeah like what, what, a, what an amazing magic trick that was it's like a jedi like it isn't me it's you say it with me it's you it's me exactly lisa goes and I can't control that. I just want more clarity. And you know, like consistency, there is never a doubt in my mind that you're not my friend. Like, you know, you can do like whatever with whomever. And it doesn't mean you're better friends with somebody else. I'm not five, Angie K. I don't think that way. I don't ever want you to feel like you can't tell me something, Angie K. And Angie K is like, well, and I don't want to, I, I don't want to feel that way either. And, I, and I, I think I have, and that's on me. Maybe I've been on eggshells a little bit because I'm concerned about your feelings and that's backfired on me now because I haven't told you, you know, a uh, thing and, and you're hurt and I'm sorry. And Lisa's like, same. So we're good. Next time on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, we see the ladies dressed up like pioneers, banging butter in a jar. We love a good summer house dress up moment. We see Whitney and Justin guests on Meredith and Seth's podcast. And Seth's like, welcome to the podcast, Whitney and Justin. Where's the craziest place you guys have done the old hippity dippity, the old whoopee, making whoopee. Where are you guys banging lately? And then we see Heather saying to Monica, like, we should go on a trip to Bermuda for your birthday. And then we see Monica and Lisa fighting again. And Heather tells Monica that she's being crazy. And Angie Kay throws a glass on the floor and goes, Opa, and breaks the glass. And then I looked up what Opa meant. And it's Greek. Yay, it's Greek. You guys, thank you for being here today. I hope you had a good time. I hope, uh, I hope we shared some laughs. And uh, if all goes well, we'll talk to each other on Friday for the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills recap. Uh, if you like this show, consider leaving it five stars and not writing a review that potentially uh, will upset my family. <laughs> I hope you have the best Thursday ever, you guys. Listen to old episodes, support, all of that stuff. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I will talk to you very soon. Bye. So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey at gmail.com and follow the show at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to Patreon.com forward slash SoBadIt'sGood. Stay bad, baddies. 